Welcome. Episode three, Lane One Talk Show. Let's get it. Let's get it. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're episode three. We're like a freight train, dude. Yeah, we're just rolling, man. So a couple things we're going to talk about today. We're going to give a few training updates. We're going to talk about our pre-race vibes. And yeah, we're just going to go through the whole thing. We got something special for you guys at the end of this episode. Hopefully it gets you guys excited to keep on listening through. But really excited to get this one rolling. Phil, how you feeling right now? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. Good holidays. Just finished Christmas. A lot of time with the family. Yeah, what um, gift were you excited the most about that you what got? What gift was I? What I got? I got um I got a um a cool like selfie selfie stick thing for my cell phone. It's like magnetic. Um and a flannel. I got a nice flannel. Yeah, you know um, we get old when you when you get happy about getting clothes now. When you're a kid, you used to hate getting clothes, and now I love getting clothes. I love it. It's my favorite. Yeah, you get new new socks and new underwear too. <laughs> yeah yeah what about you would you get what'd you get oh man the thing i'm most excited that i got is i got a rice cooker oh nice another another grown adult gift yep grown adult gift that's what i asked my parents for um <laughs> i just told them like get me a rice cooker so they got me one from costco that cooks rice and steams vegetables on top so oh, you can man. just kind of like cook things simultaneously um working remote that thing is clutch having appliances like that is clutch because um yeah. One thing people don't talk about when working remote is like the amount of dishes you have to do. It's mm -hmm. stupid because you're doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner all at home. So having something like that where it's a single appliance where I only have to use a single thing, that's huge. Yeah, that's 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 clutch. That is very clutch. You don't have to boil the water and do all that. And it steams your vegetables too. So you can, while it's steaming, you can cook your protein definitely definitely but first my boy my boy phil over here he got a little a little sponsorship sh shout out but first go but for it. first yes we have our very first sponsor right um is lane one merch shop so um we, yeah we just set this up for um coming into the trials uh this episode is brought to you by the Lane One Merch Shop, where you can find limited edition Team Read merchandise on sale commemorating the 2024 Marathon um, Olympic Trials in Orlando, Florida. We got t-shirts, crew necks, hoodies, kids wear. There's something for everyone. Uh, so whether you're um, able to come in person to, um, to Orlando in February or if you just want to support from afar, uh, we got plenty of Team Read gear um for you and it ships directly to your door so i'm excited about that and and we're 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 launching the store too so we 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 have plans for uh for some other merch lane one gear coming down the line but uh yeah i'm i'm excited to announce our our very first sponsor <laughs> which is uh my merch store our merch store for us <laughs> we're sponsoring Shout out. ourselves uh, we're sponsoring ourselves right you got to lead from the front so excited about that. That is our sponsor. And um, yeah, check it out. I'll put the links into the uh, into the bio of my Instagram. Um, we got links on um, YouTube, description box. And I'll put it, if you're listening to the audio, I'll put a link into the description of the podcast as well. So uh, there'll be plenty of opportunities you find a link. Um, and, and also one thing that I keep, forgetting to say on, on some of the other previous podcasts is, is where you can find us. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can also find us on Podbeam. Uh, so we're on all the major platforms. Um, so, you know, listen in the car um, on the plane, you can download it. So, you know, make sure that you, uh, you know, that you, you have access to the lane one talk show pretty much everywhere. Yeah, and I hate to be that guy, but like, subscribe, comment, share. You have to exactly. see, you have to shout that out. That's how we're gonna grow. That's so how gonna grow. Other people are gonna learn about us. And even if uh, you know we're maybe not your cup of tea, we could be somebody else's cup of tea, and uh, maybe they enjoy hearing us talk about what we have to talk about. So yeah, definitely the, any of that support, even just a quick like, that kind of stuff, kind of gives the algorithms on all of those platforms indication on you know, who, who else might like it? Maybe someone very similar to you might like it. So give us that support. We appreciate y'all for listening to begin with. So absolutely. Yeah, yes. Thank, thank you for listening. Okay. So we got the business, um, housekeeping out of the way. Um, 
Club Nats. Let's talk briefly about Club Nats. Club Nats was about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago now. Uh, we placed fifth overall. Mark, you were our number one man. 12th place, correct? 12th place, man. Two weeks of training. I was pretty, I was pretty hyped about that. It's <laughs> pretty hyped. Yeah, that was that was a great race for you, especially given your um recovery. Uh, I was 23rd. Um, and you know, you know, I guess I with since I'm talking, I'll just kind of share my 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 perspective of the race itself. Um, you know, I, I felt like we had a great race. You know, I got a I got a really good start. Um, you know, we were out in the top eight, you know, in the first, you know, 800 meters. Um, I felt like we were working well together. We were kind of helping each other along. Um, and 5k in, I probably wasn't feeling great, but again, you know, you were pretty close by and, and, you know, I kept, you know, kind of using you as a little bit of a, to key off of, we were kind of using each other and, you know, I, I guess I should say too that it wasn't Tallahassee, Florida, and it was I don't know, seven high seventies. Would you say? Yeah, it, it was like about seventy-seven, humid, windy, course not kept. It was, it was, it was a really slow day for what is historically a fast course. Yeah, that's a good point. The course was not kept. They just kind of let it grow after the NCAA season. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't a great day in terms of ideal running conditions. And like right around eight and a half, nine K I just like my left hamstring grabbed up on me really tight, really, really painful. Um, you know, coming around really, really, where I really felt it was that, um, you know, that downhill when you come by the, the start or the finish, when you come by the finish. So the last time going by the finish by the, um, jumbotron is where it kind of grabbed up on me a little bit and it just kind of just got worse and it just, uh, yeah, it was just painful and i just didn't have that energy return um that i was having and it just really like limited my range of motion and i just i felt like i blew a tire like i had a suspension strut that went out and luckily i was able to finish but i did uh, i did i did drop back i was i mean i was with you i was in you're 13. ahead of me with the k to go yeah i was ahead of you you know i was looking at maybe getting up into the you know, top 10 maybe. And I just, I fell back like 10, 12 spots to finish 23rd, which, which, which still was able to salvage a good race. I didn't drop out. I still was, you know, a contributor to the team, but you know, like it, it just, you know, you know, me, people know me. I, I cross uh club cross country is an important race. And it's like, you know, 23rd, I didn't feel like really exemplifies where I'm with my training and, and um, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, I really think on a B plus day, I would have been right with you, maybe even in the top 10, you know? Yeah. And I think on an A plus day, who knows? But, um, yeah, so it's a little, a little bit of bittersweet, you know, I know that you did, re you did well, you were, you were 12. Um, and I, I was thinking about this actually, like 2021, you and I were both on that day, right? Yeah. We got seventh and ninth, seventh and ninth. And yeah. then last year you were recovering from an Achilles and you were top 30. No, nah, man, I got like 39th. That was, yeah, that but was you bad. was, it was, uh, but you, 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 you had an injury, right? Yeah. I went into that completely injured. Yeah. So I, you know, and this year you had a good race and I was the one in the shoot crying. Right. So like, I, 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 you know, I, I, I I think we uh, had some sympathetic years there. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But I mean, if you getting twenty third is uh you crying in the shoot, then that kind of speaks to where you're at with fitness. I do think you would have probably been right around that sixth, seventh, eighth place had you not pulled up just because of how good you look. Like just to give a little a uh, little bit of perspective from my end, for me personally, I never thought I was having a bad day. I hadn't trained that much, but going into it, I was in the right mindset. I. I was kind of hoping for crap weather just because, you know, I hadn't been training too much, which I, I've said a couple times, but like I hadn't been training too much. So I was like, okay, the worse other people feel, I, I truly believe I can hurt more than other people. I truly feel like the more people are in their heads about having a bad day is in my favor. So for me, right. I got out pretty conservative pretty early on. A couple guys got out ahead, probably created maybe a 50 meter gap from the get go. It was uh, mm -hmm. Ty Dinger and another guy from from uh i believe the east coast 
Them two got out ahead, pulled away a bit, both 28 low guys. And then there's a pack of about five guys and then a pack of about 15, which was our pack. And me and you were anywhere between ninth and 15th for most of the race. Right. And so there came a point where there were stragglers that started to fall off that front pack. And we just started picking them off one by one. And uh, I posted a pretty cool picture on our Instagram or a pretty cool series of pictures, me and you just shoulder to shoulder picking off yeah. people. And that yeah. was pretty dope. That was a cool feeling. No, that's and, good. And, uh, and that, that was, that was 90% of the race for me, that, that shoulder to shoulder that I think really yeah. captures where we were at. Yeah. And so we're just picking people off, picking people off and going into that last loop is when I started to feel pretty rough. That's when the conditions started to get to me. I started feeling like cold. You know what I'm talking about? When, when you're running hot and um, yep. your body starts feeling cold, you start getting dehydrated. So I was like, okay, we got about 1400 meters to go coming from the finish line. And with about a K to go, maybe about 1200 to go, you passed me and you opened up a little bit on me. And with a K to go is when I caught back up to you because I noticed there was three San Diego guys like right in front of us who right. are now lane zero track club. But we'll, we'll talk about that some other day. We'll get Steven on one day and we'll have to talk, have some banter with him, but lane zero track club athletics club. Cause track club is outdated now. They had three guys in that top 10 and I was like, shoot, I got to beat one of them. So me and you started rolling together and I noticed I passed you and then came down the finish shoot. I didn't catch any of them. I wound up finishing 12th. And um, yeah, that's when you came through the shoot and you were like, I fell way back. I was like, what, like 15th, 16th. When you told me 23rd, I was pretty, I was pretty surprised, but seeing what ended up happening, like we got back to the van and you're basically out of commission limping your way back to the hotel room. It was pretty devastating to see, especially with the trials coming up. But um, with that in mind, with the trials coming up, you started working out again this week. You're about to mm -hmm. work out with me again tomorrow, mm -hmm. um, which will be a Saturday workout. What were kind of some of those things? Because from a hamstring strain, you came back in about two weeks. What are some of the things that you did during that time? How did you stay mentally strong? Like talk about that journey a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's, that, that's, that's a great question. It's, it was a flood of emotions, right? You know, it was, it was like, you, you know, it's like, you know, you're, I, I'm a pretty aware person, you know, I, I feel like I'm, you know, aware of what's going on. I'm like, I just tweaked my hamstring running a 10 K when I'm training for <laughs> a marathon. That's 26.2 miles. Right. I need to do, I yeah. need to run 20 miles and then run a 10 K. Right. So, you know, you, you just have, you, you know, all these thoughts start creeping in. It's like, you know, I had already like, you know, we'd already committed to uh, tickets and, you know, rental cars and, you know, all of this stuff going to Orlando, like group text, family text, who's coming, you know, where I was at that time working on the merch store and training was going well. We had already had started planning for that, like three week out, like MLK day uh, weekend where we were going to have like our last big build, like we had already had everything, like the freight train was moving. And yeah. I was just like, what, what am I going to do? Like I could barely walk, dude. I could barely, like, I was, I was like the team driver for the, for our, for the guy, for the open men. And I'm like, just getting into the car was painful. And like, I didn't go out that night. Right. I just stayed at the hotel and I iced and I just went to bed. Um, and I just was like, you just so much doubt. And I remember like, that I was trying to, you know, you were trying to connect me, you know, with getting in to get some treatment on Sunday. And I, I was able to actually, I, I saw, um, saw Andy, um, he was available. So the next day I was, I was able to get some treatment on Sunday, but it's like, you know, there's just all this unknown. It's like, I can barely walk. I can barely like sit down for a long period of time. So I, I, I just, I, the first week I just had to take off. I just had to take off a full week because I couldn't run. Like I tried running that, that Saturday, seven days after, and it was still hurting. And then, um, that next week I, I, um, started doing some rehab activities. I started, I got in to see Scott, our chiropractor at the end, like five days after that Friday. Um, and you know, he, the, he I made some a lot of progress. And then that weekend I was able to cross train again. Um, and then that, that second, that's that, uh, second week I started doing more rehab. I was in the, I was in there doing like 20 to 30 minutes of like rehab activities every day. I went for like more consistent, um, 
rehab versus like 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 shorter periods so like 30 minutes every day or every other day versus like you know an hour session twice a week um because i just wanted to i really wanted to um do as much as i could right and i I figured like maybe like lower volume but more frequent would be better um you know i I hit up um another person i've been working with for a long time chris borgard who's um you know strength and conditioning coach he sent me some stuff i actually met with him this past saturday the saturday before christmas he gave me some more exercises and and walked me through some stuff that i could do but I've, i've just been doing a lot of like not necessarily even a lot of like hamstring strengthening but like like um glute strengthening and and hip flexor strengthening and loosening up of the feet and the ankle and the lower leg um and just working up from there you know we worked you and i worked out together in the gym like uh maybe a week ago you know i was doing walk jogging right i was doing some power walking on the treadmill with with uh with uh with a little bit of jogging and it's goofy but yeah, I needed, I needed to get that, it, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I re, it really helped. I'm really glad you suggested yeah. that because that, that like I put it up 5% and I, I was just walking like 4.5 miles an hour and I, I needed that bilateral movement. Right. I needed that, yeah. like that, that running like proximate, uh, approximate, uh, approximation. I needed the approximation of running and, and then, you know, I would go, I'd put the, the, the miles per hour right below like half a mile an hour below, um, running pace. And, and I would just like truck along. So I did that for about a week. And then this week is week three, the end of week three, cause we're recording this on Friday. And so this week I've been incorporating more running and I, you know, I got a four and a half mile run in that felt fine. Did a six mile run in that went fine. Took a day off, then did a fart lick. Um, minute on minute off. I mean, I was hitting my watch was saying anywhere from five, ten to five twenty pace for one minute. Oh, dude, that's not um, bad at all. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I'm not when not, you said it was slow that you were hitting like five thirty, five forty. No, I was, you know, I was getting down to marathon pace for one minute. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's still like seventy sevens if you did four hundreds. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, so I was, you know, I did that, and then, um yesterday i did two sessions of uh elliptical i did i uh, did a fart lick in the morning and then i did uh a mild sort of i don't even know what you would call it like i like i did longer intervals like five minutes but a yeah. little bit less intense um so i got like two hours two hours ten minutes in i saw something uh you know i i think parker volby she she was a she's a big a cross trainer and she was like saying so i saw like a clip of her saying that like it's not like glamorous in there you know yeah you're so, you're grinding man it's, yeah it's yeah cross training is is gnarly like um just to piggyback off of that a little bit when i injured my achilles again this um fall kind of same thing as you i was looking at it like doom and gloom because i wanted this to be my season where i really you know really string things together so i got i got desperate if i'm being real like the best way to put it i got desperate and it was to the point where I was swimming 40 minutes a day, aqua jogging 20 minutes a day, and hitting the bike for an hour a day. So similar to you, about two hours of total cross training. And again, we run because we we love the damn thing. Like we love the sport. We love the activity. We love getting out on trails, seeing different things. Move, like the genuine, the genuine sport of running is what we love to do. So getting in a pool – and aqua jogging again, it's like what you were saying, doing the walk jog at Planet Fitness. I'm at Sinsheimer Park where everybody is 60 plus year old in the pool. All the lifeguards are high schoolers. And then there's the high school swim team, like club team practicing on the side. And there's this grown man with an aqua jogging belt just going as hard as he could until his face is red. Mm-hmm. Aqua jogging in the damn pool in like the deep side for 20 minutes everyone looking like what the hell is this guy doing <laughs> right but but you have to yeah. right you have to you have to and it's it, it's you know and we're gonna get into this a little bit more when we talk about sicko mode but it's almost like yeah you, you kind of have to go into that special place of your brain you know you talk about kobe you talk about you know you talk about um my you know mj and the work ethic right yeah, and, and there's a, you know, there's a quote from Mike Tyson that I like a lot that I think about 
when I am in those moments that it sucks. And Mike Tyson said the definition of discipline is doing what you hate, but executing it like you love it or something yeah. along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. And that's kind of what that's kind of the mindset you have to go into. You have to. Yeah, you have to. You have to do that. And like, you know, you asked about, you know, how would I how I felt and, you know, in the flood of emotions, it, it what kind of like coming back from Florida and after a couple of days, you know, everything started to kind of fall into perspective. And, and like, and, and I think that's kind of the benefit of being a blue collar runner and being, you know, I, I have a full-time job. My wife and I are both teachers and, and it was like, yes, it was less than ideal. It's less than ideal. Like obviously in, in tunnel vision, the Olympic trials are on the horizon and we're doing everything we can to have a great race and it, and, and do everything right. But in like the grand scheme of things, right. In terms of like general, you know, human existence. It's like, you know, we still have jobs. Everybody's healthy. You know, you know, getting Calvin to school is still a priority and, and getting, yeah. you know, all, you know, the bills are paid and just like going through everyday life, you know, things are still okay. Right. Like, you know, so it really puts things in perspective that like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not super stressed out from the standpoint of like, okay, now if I don't compete at the trials to the, you know, level, that I want to, or something like that. It's not like I'm going to get cut from a company or I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like I, I, that's reassuring. Like it has that catch that, that catch, catch me if I fall feeling right. Like I, you still have the team read, right. We just looked at the, at, at the gear and, and, you know, I, I feel a, a lot of confidence in, in the people that have, that are around me, you know, and that I, I can push myself to, um, I can push myself and regardless of the result, you know, they're still going to be waiting for me and still going to be happy. Right. So that has given me a lot of confidence. Um, and, and I really have turned the corner this week. I've really like made a ton of progress this week in the past, like five days. And, and I think a lot of that has been because of the support of, you know, you know, people like yourself, my wife, my son, uh, my family, and, and, and just our greater network of people, individuals, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's again, not ideal, but we're making the most of it. And I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Yeah. And I love what you said about like, at the end of the day, everyone's still going to love you. Right. So that's yeah. kind of what, um, um, that reminds me of a, uh, going back to quotes, Kobe Bryant, he said, what really unlocked him was when he was about like 10 years old, his dad said, whether you do good or bad, we're still going to love you regardless. And he said, when he heard that it was the green light, like, okay, let's see how good I can really get at this thing. When he turned 13, that's when he made his deals just because it's like end of day. Yeah, we run. We put a lot of time into this thing. We put a lot of effort into this thing, but your your eggs are in different baskets. Your family's still going to love you. Life is still going to go on. The earth is going to look the same whether you're running well or not. Yeah. Whether the trials goes how you plan. Like you qualified and you're doing the best you could to get there in one piece to get there to the best you possibly could. End of day, your family's going to be happy whether you win or not. Yeah. No. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's given me a lot of strength and it's given me a lot of like, you know, you, you know, it's given me kind of the green light that I can push myself. You know, I yeah. can, you can take a risk. You can put yourself out there and, you know, and, you know, it, it make yourself vulnerable. Um, and you know, the result, whether or not it's positive, negative or indifferent, it's, you know, people are still going to love you and, you know, life will continue. So yeah, that, that's, that that is you know uh, the flood of emotions, but I'm really looking forward to the trials. Honestly, like it's all coming together. We just got a rental car. Um, starting to feel real. <laughs> it's starting to feel real. It's starting yeah. to feel real. Um, but yeah, that's that's how we're doing in the uh, preparation for the trials. How how are how's uh, your training update? What are we? What are we getting ready for indoor? Getting ready for indoor, man. I'm gonna race in four weeks. Looking, um, targeting BU, the, the what is it, John Terrier or John Thomas Terrier Classic, something like that. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the name, but yeah. So this weekend, I was prescribed a 12 by one mile at marathon pace by uh, Coach Joe Rubio. So I decided to take that as an opportunity, and I broke it up into two workouts, and I did the infamous. Put in, put in flashing lights and fireworks, hand waving in the air, double threshold workout. Oh, but he said it. He said it. Double threshold, the buzzword, the thing that's been taking over 
let's run message boards, different training groups, blood lactate testing, took a swing at it um, just because uh, our coach is not a big believer in it. Um, just because his theory is, you know, people have run well without doing it forever. Hardly in the grand scheme of things, not that many people do it. So I took an opportunity. I just want to see how I feel. I speak about it a lot. Um, I'm super obsessed with studying training. So I decided to give it a go. And the workout I chose was um, one mile, two mile, one mile, two mile, one mile in the AM, all at about half marathon pace or right around threshold. I wasn't taking my blood lactate, but I was keeping an eye on my heart rate. So the, the goal was to be between 88 to 92% of my maximum heart rate, which is right around 168. My math whiz is out there, 168 to 173 was ideally where I wanted to be at. Just kept an eye on it, went purely off of effort, um, wound up running about five flats on the miles and about like 10.08, 10.04 on the two miles. And then in the PM, I came How much back. rest? How much rest? To uh, about 75 seconds, actually. I just jogged around for about 75 seconds in between each. So shorter rest. Yeah. Yep. Shorter yeah. rest. Shorter rest. Definitely. The longer the rest, the faster I could go. But for what I was trying to accomplish, shorter rest and the kind of zone I was trying to hit. And then in the PM, I came back and did five by one mile on the roads. Um, I went to a track. Turns out they were closed for the holidays. It's a public track back home. Shout out Edgewood High School in West Covina. But went out there, it was closed, but luckily that school, I've been running there since I was a kid. That's actually like where my origin start was. My mom would take me to the track there. But turns out the perimeter of the school, if you run the full block on the sidewalk, is exactly one mile. Oh, nice. So I've used this spot for workouts many times, especially if I get prescribed something like a six by one mile at like marathon pace or just a straight up steady state run. And I need somewhere uninterrupted, no stoplights. Um, no, no, basically no places where a car is going to stop me. Went out there, executed, ran about, um, four fifty five to five flat. I started at five flat, cut down to like four fifty three. So, um, yeah, pretty good. I felt better on the second session than I did on the first session, which was unexpected, but, um, kept it well under control. Same thing since the whole idea of it was to hit within that threshold and that like half marathon to marathon pace workout with what, uh, Joe prescribed, I um, wanted to keep that consistent with where I am just because if you are doing this double threshold stuff, you have to periodize it. It's very yeah. similar to what every other program does. The difference is he's just doing more. He's just doing. Um, and when I'm saying him, I'm talking about Jakob, which is where everyone pulled it from. Jakob Ingerbergsten and the Norwegian style of training. Everybody doesn't really take into consideration that he's still periodizing it around what kind of efforts and what kind of, um, what kind of paces he needs to be hitting. So there's a lot of multi-pace training in there. So uh, you talked about periodization. We're about four weeks away from the Terrier. Um, and then we're going into the spring, into March and into April. How how does the double threshold at this time of year fit into your periodization? So for me, I don't anticipate too much of it in my future. Like I said, um, my coach doesn't necessarily believe in it too much. But one thing that is taken into context or taken out of context actually to to put it better is a lot of this stuff heavy base training is not reinventing the wheel it's just a different design in the sense of this is just getting 12 miles worth of threshold volume in versus if you're doing in a single session you could probably get a maximum of like 10 miles nine miles without totally abusing your body so for me and looking at training logs of people that have done it successfully they're not implementing this year round this is in the base phase when you're in the winter or you're in the fall. And this is creeping a little bit into the spring, maybe that like February, March. But after that, it's just a matter of getting as much. It's like putting money in the bank. You're putting as much money in the bank as possible before you're getting ready to spend. And once you start getting into that like pre-race pre -race phase, which is that March, April, you know, you start putting mm -hmm. some things on the calendar. You got a poly invite on there. Maybe a Brian Clay amount sack relays. Then you want to back off of that stuff because it, it shreds your body. After a while, you got to start depositing or you got to stop uh, depositing and you got to start cashing in some of those checks with those races. You got to start feeling good. You got to start sharpening up. So for me, I'm probably taking a lot of this stuff out starting uh, February, March. Going to back off of that a little, a little bit and start focusing a little bit more on uh, getting some race specific stuff in. Yeah, it's it's a good way to sneak in miles too. Like you said, it's you know when you're trying to get it volume in and base training, 
you know, you if you get in, you know, warm up, cool down strides, recoveries, everything totaled up. How much did you get that day? How many miles did you get that day? I think I wound up getting like 21, 21 yeah. or 20, 22, something like that. Um, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll look at the Strava for the receipts, but I think it was <laughs> like right about right, right around 21. Cause I did two mile warm up, two mile cool down. I jog in between reps. I count that as mileage. Sue me. But, mm. and yeah, right around that uh, 21, 22 range. And it's, it's a lot, but allows you to get that volume up. Now, how, how does double threshold training compare to other types of training, maybe more traditional threshold training, VO2, you know, Lydiard, critical velocity, like all, all of these things that have come <laughs> through that all the buzzwords, right? Right. And, and maybe yeah. some of the old heads and I, I, I use that term respectfully, right? I use that term, yeah. um, with, with the utmost love and respect, you know, you know, what would, uh, how does threshold compare double threshold compared to those other methodologies? Yeah. So when you look at it, threshold is something that's been around forever. Maybe people haven't explained it correctly, or just the information is more widely available. And even when you look at other teams, so the hot teams right now trending OAC, they do not do double threshold. They do more traditional workouts, which is more. Stuff. And that's on athletic club, right? On athletic clubs. Yup. Um, it's coached by Dathan Ritzenhine guys that they have their own podcast, the coffee club, um, Ollie Hoare, Morgan McDonald, Jordy Beamish, like a lot of those guys. They're doing, they're not doing double thresholds, but they do a lot of the threshold principles. So they do take their lactate, their blood lactate in between work or in between intervals during workouts. And that's a little more old school. Dathan coaches more like the eighties, nineties coaches, which is what our coach does. We do a lot of identical workouts to them, like a four by two mile, a three by three mile hills and twos. A lot of these, well, hills and twos is VO2 max. That's not threshold, but four by two mile, three by three mile, two by four mile. A lot of those more bulky, more, a lot of volume in a single session. That stuff has been around forever. It's just about refining it, right? And double threshold, what it allows you to do is, one, it's primarily built for people at altitude. So that's where you see a lot of those intervals, the four by 2K, the 10 by 1K, the um, a lot of these broken up intervals, it's because when you're at 6,000 feet, you don't, or 7,000 feet, you don't recover as well in between. Is that because, is that also because, um, like VO two workouts are, are, are like much more difficult at altitude. So that, you know, threshold and tempo style trainings a little bit like more accessible. Hmm. That's, that's a good question, but I would say probably not just because it's a way to sneak in more because we have this whole equation, hundred percent of a workout, right? Right. So for us, how we define hundred percent of a workout is the maximum amount of work that you can do in a single workout without mm -hmm. running the risk of injuring yourself. So when you break a workout up, like let's say 12 by one mile, that's more than hundred percent for me. I would say hundred percent of a workout at marathon to uh, tempo pace is about 10 miles, but you can sneak in 12 if you break it up into two sessions, because what you do in between is you hit the volume in the AM session. I got seven miles worth of volume, but guess what? I get to go home, eat a full meal, go to sleep for an hour or two, recover, come back and do five more miles. So 12 is more than 10. And that's kind of a way of justifying doing more, but to recover properly during those interval sessions, you break them up into, you break up those intervals into pieces. And that's also you so that you can, you can test your blood lactate levels. Okay. I, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're doing, it's really like, it's kind of like doing two times 80% workouts. Yeah. Um, in a, in a day and at, at, at altitude, the recovery aspect, I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but I'm saying because there's not as much oxygen in the air that you're breathing. So your body isn't flushing out the byproducts of those harder sessions as quickly as it would be at sea level. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And it's just the intervals in general. Like if you do a four mile tempo and you go on the deep end at altitude, like you shot your workout, like right. your heart rate spikes so high. So to ensure you don't do that, you break it up into pieces. That's why yeah. when we went down our whole, uh, our whole threshold kick back in 2018, we were doing like 12 by one K at like five right. minute pace. We're doing 
a lot of these workouts really slow, broken up into intervals because that's what we're seeing other coaches do. But in reality, a lot of those um, a lot of those methodologies were made for people at altitude, not necessarily for us at sea level. So it's really like the double T is is really at evolutionary and not so much revolutionary, right? Yeah, it's a safer like, way to get more volume. Yeah, it's a safer way to get more volume, and it can be incorporated with VO two and with um, hills and other sort of like bread and butter traditional styles of training. Um, you're talking about Dathan. Do they do they do double T? No, they do not do double T. They do everything single. So they they do workouts similar to us where they're four by two mile, two by four mile, three by three mile, stuff like that. Okay. And they might just double back with a with a six mile evening run or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All their stuff is on Strava. So if anyone like ever gets interested, a yeah. lot of those guys like Klecker, Morgan McDonald, they're yeah, they're really open about what they what they do. They talk about it too. They and that they makes, post that, it all. And and that makes sense. Like Dathan was an 11th or 12th grade when I was in high school, like when I was a freshman. Um, and you know, I think he's a, what, like Rockford, Michigan kind of guy. So like Midwest, yeah. like, you know, kind of going to Colorado. I, I can see a lot of those like traditional, like, um, philosophies from the eighties and nineties, like you talked about, but it's like, it, that stuff works, you know? And, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, double threshold can fit into those equations when done properly. Right. Yeah. Like Mike uh, Smith, from what I've seen his guys do, they don't necessarily replicate the exact Norwegian model of like, right. You know, six by six minutes or like 20 by 400. They don't necessarily copy and paste a lot of the Mike Smith workouts too, or he only uses it to hit that, that um, like half marathon marathon pace. And since they're in NAU, like 65, whatever they're at 65 or 7,000. Um, they're just using it for that 445 to five to 450 pace for their 13 flat guys. So it's not necessarily that he's doing every single workout and copy and pasting exactly what the Norwegian model is. Right. And, and he, what do they call it? They call it uh, sub T no sub T for them is marathon pace. They just call oh. it. T. They just, just call it T. Okay. T, T sub T. Got it. And, people, yeah. and the terminology here gets, gets a little confusing. I mean, you could probably yeah. do a whole episode on the terminology. Like, as you say, te tempo threshold cruise, you have all these terms. Like I, yeah. I, a lot of times I will just, I will, I will call it like, you know, five times two mile at tempo pace. And I'll just kind of yeah. use that sort of casually. And, um, you know, I think tempo gets thrown around a lot too, but I think threshold is more of like a, you know, it's more clearly defined, um, lactate level. Like you said, um, who should do double T and who should not do double I would, Yeah, that's a good question. I would say people, it kind of depends what people respond well to, right. And what people's ability to handle load is. So what people's ability to handle like heavy mileage. So someone who higher is, mileage. Yeah. Like higher mileage guys, guys who historically have stronger aerobic engines, you want to keep feeding the beast, but then you have guys that are, you know, a little bit more on the speedy side, a little more of that sprinter type of runner or like a, um, in the lower events, like the 800 and the 15, a lot of those guys might not benefit from high mileage because they have all those fast twitch or like they might not benefit as much. So a lot of it I, I, on that topic on that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. the, the, um, I was reading up on this and that's actually one of the things that, um, the, the Norwegians, you know, uh, came up with as well is, is if you have, uh, more of a middle distance profile, eight fifteen, yeah, that's actually not a good, um, th that's not a good event group for this style of training. Yeah. I mean, I believe it. I mean, um, being out here in slow, there's the, the slow TC or the van, van Oy boys, whatever you want to call them They're They all run pretty identical times. Craig's run 144, Baylor's run 145, John's run 145, but you look at their training. It's all different. John trains like a sprinter. Baylor trains like right in between. And Craig trains more like a long distance runner in right. the sense of what their long runs look like, the length of their tempos, um, what they can run in an open two. a lot of them, they run very similar times, but when it comes down to the actual execution of practice, it'll be like on Monday, Craig has six in the morning, four in the PM. And then you see John run four. 
but that's just like an example of stuff that they do. Right. And their mileage is wildly different. Their training is wildly different. But a lot of times those guys will, um, um, you can't necessarily apply, like copy and paste the same program for those guys. So shout out to right. Van Hall for getting those guys right. <laughs> no, that is, that I, I do appreciate that. How, you know, it's, it, it is, everything is intentional. Um, you know, we, we've, we're seeing um, kids in high school do double T. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Oh, man. I mean, it's hard to tell because you look at where it started with a guy like Jakob, and he started it since he was a kid and has has seen wild success. But I think for kind of like the Western culture, for lack of a better term, I think you have to let those kids be kids because – they're not running out of desperation the way like the Ingerbrickson family is like there was, it was gold medal or bust. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these kids just don't like it enough. Or the issue with that too, is if you do that in high school, they start right, worshiping right. their coach as like, you know, the godsend, like this guy's a second coming of Christ. And what that can really do is just because of the way that the system is set up, you're going to go from high school to NCAA now you have kids going from doing double threshold in high school to a coach that maybe doesn't believe it in NCAA and guess what? They're not going to buy in. And that almost becomes like the bane of that college coach's existence because now it's like, well, what are you going to do? This kid doesn't trust you at all. He's doesn't think this program works. He's not bought in. And a lot of times it's, and it's probably never really executed correctly. Like, could you do a tempo right in high school? I couldn't. My coach no. told me to do a three mile tempo and I PR'd in my three mile. <laughs> yeah no we did uh we did tempo mile repeats like on the track um yeah like crew yeah. monitored yelled yeah. at if you went too fast yeah i mean when i when i was coaching high school we would do miles we do thousands we would do um 800 meters short rest short recovery yeah um i i think you know i i think you said something there desperation um, you know, when Ingebrigtsen's were trying to make teams, it was trying to, you know, gold medal, you know, or bust. And, you know, I, I think you got to pump the brakes a little bit sometimes in high school. Like, yeah. like if I think to a certain extent, I think maybe double threshold would work like, like yeah. scientifically. But like you said, when you're talking about if you still continued with double threshold in March and April, you're, you're not going to be feeling fast, right? You're not going to be feeling yeah. good. You get flat. Um, you get flat. So, you know, they're feel they're experiencing that it's 16, 17, 18 years old, right? When they should be feeling good yeah. and excited to go to the next level, right? You could get to the next yeah. level and, and feel flat. So I, I think it's one of the things of like, yes, technically you could do it, but should you, you know? Yeah. I just um, don't think a lot of kids in high school, like, again, it took a special, special breed of athlete to do it. A kid that said he's going to be the best in the world when he was 10. Like, right. I just don't think a lot of kids are disciplined enough to train the right way to do it. Like not run too hard. I mean, and also, yeah, our age can't do that. And also like, you, you know, are, are we doing the, the other 20, 21 hours a day? Are they do, are they, yeah. are they, you know, eating well, sleeping well, you know, hydrating, napping, you know, you know, you, the, all that stuff, all that support, um, all those little, you know, ancillary activities are very important. I think to this style of training that is, like you said, let kids be kids. If they want to go to homecoming, you know, or if they have prom or if they have something like that, like that, that is, you, you know, that's important to them too. Um, so it is, you know, I think it's definitely something that is probably best for, you know, college and above. Yeah. Someone who could actually be dedicated to it. Someone who can consciously make the decision, like I'm going to be all in on this. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that is, I mean, we could, we can, we talk can for go days for days on, on that. We can go for days on that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to, you know, your, was that your first attempt at double threshold? Yeah, that was, I just wanted to yeah. see how it felt because, yeah. you know, you put a lot of research into it. It's been the buzz guys like, um, you know, the whole Mike Smith team had a lot of us champions this year. They won the five to 10, the women's 15. Um, mm -hmm. and they also, um, NAU is uh, one of the top premier programs. What did they go like five out of the last six, something like yep. that, and one national like titles? You look at guys like Hobbs Kessler, who is the phenom from high school from Michigan that went pro. He just started incorporating it, dropped his uh, 15 from 334 to 332. 
Wow. So you got, yeah, and he's and he's a old. he's a he's a pure miler, right? Yeah, he's. I mean, he also has a one forty five eight hundred, but but he's like he's not like a Jakob. No, pure miler. Yeah, he's like a pure. Guy. He's a pure miler doing the double threshy. So yeah, I mean, little brick. <laughs> yeah. Um. Awesome. Awesome. Um. Yeah. We want to talk about race vibes. Yeah, pre-race vibes. Yeah. So what we're talking about that is the moments leading into the race. You know, maybe you're in the hotel room, maybe you're um, at home if you live near the venue. But most of the time, it's you're in your hotel room, your Airbnb, and you're getting ready for this race that you probably either have in a couple hours or you have at night. So Phil, how do you get in the zone? What is your go-to? Because I've I've shared a lot of trips with you. Yeah, I've seen you do a lot of different things. I've I've seen you go on like your walks just because you need to get away for a little bit. What are some things that you do to get into the zone before a race? I, you know, I would say, you know, my go-to kind of depending on what time of day, right? Um, yeah. Most of my races these days are in the morning um, because I do road races mostly, but you know, the same could be applied to an evening uh, track race, but you know, it's in the hotel, you know, uh, maybe two or three hours before the race. So maybe, you know, an hour or two before we leave, I'll go for a walk, you know, I'll go for a walk outside. I like to, especially for road races. I just like to just feel what the, you know, what the vibe is outside, what the weather's like, what it looks like. Um, and if, depending on where the hotel is, if it's, if we're close, then I can go check out the start line or something. But if we're not close, I'll just walk around the hotel. And, um, I'll usually listen to some, some songs that we'll talk about here in a few minutes, but um, I've also been getting into kind of like some YouTube videos that I like to watch. Um, and some of them are like live performances of, uh, the, the songs, um, cause I like live music and, yeah. you know, one of the ones I really like to listen to as part of my like morning walk coffee routine is, uh, Rick Ross, tiny desk, um, <laughs> which he it. made during the, he, he made during the pandemic. And it's just, it's, it's on NPR, tiny desk concerts. If you ever want to go look it up, but he, he just, he, he, he does a great job of just like all of his songs and it's all live band. And, you know, I think there's something about executing, right. When you're in a live yeah. performance, um, especially for something like hip hop, hip hop is not always done with live instruments, right. It's, it's, you know, a lot of like, you know, synthetic sort of keyboard, um, yeah. style beats, beat making beat, beat machines. So when it's like live, it's like, it's like, you know, it, it feels a little bit kind of like that percussive, like, you know, um, that, that, you know, marching band, you know, in, in like, you know, back in the day when they used to like have drummers as part of the army, right. It was yeah. like that marching to battle. Um, so that, that I like, I like watching some of that. Um, so I'll watch some live performances or, or listen to some live performances and clips of them. I'm not going to listen to a whole 45 minute concert, but. Um, I've also been getting into uh past couple years of like scenes of movies. You know, I'll watch I'll watch like one or two scenes before we we head to the course or wherever we're going. I'll watch like just clips. Like one of my go-tos is in uh the um Batman in um The Dark Knight Rises, I think, or the second Christopher Nolan one, the the Dark Knight with um Christian Bale as Batman. The bat uh the Joker bank vault scene. Um, when the masked jokers all like rob the bank and it's just like, it's just like such a kind of like, um, I, I don't know what it is about that scene, but the, I guess maybe the execution of it. <laughs> yeah. It gets you riled up, right? It gets, it gets you fired. Back the next standing up. Yeah. 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 And it, it gets you, it, you know, and, and it's just the way it's shot and it's the, I don't know. I, I, and there's some other movies that I like too, but you know, those Navy seal movies, uh, you know, things like that, it, that are like, you know, high energy, but also like precision and all, everything has to happen in a certain amount of time. Right. Yeah. Those are kind of my things that I, that I, um, that I look into that, that are part of my pre-race routine. Just like I get the body moving. I do a couple of familiar things, maybe do hit the massage gun do a little bit of foam roll, nothing too crazy. What about you? 
For me, first of all, I like to eat a big meal unless if I race super early in the morning, can't do that. But like if I'm racing anything afternoon, I eat a big breakfast. I eat as much as I possibly could for breakfast. That's a thing that I do. So like a lot of times it's waffles, a lot of times um, eggs, bacon, stuff like that. So that is a huge thing for me. So if I'm in a hotel, sit in the lobby, eat as much as I can from that hotel breakfast. Or if not, I'll go to Denny's or like IHOP, something safe eat as much as I possibly can. I love getting um stack of pancakes, all that kind of stuff. So that's a big, that's a big one for me. Again, unless if I race like a half marathon in the morning or a road race in the morning, a lot of times I don't have time to do that. Got to have coffee too. getting hyped up on coffee. Yep, Got to have I'm coffee. A, I'm an addict, but to get to the nitty gritty, I kind of go to a dark place once it comes to, um, once it comes to getting ready for pre-races, man, like, I don't know if this is healthy or not, if anyone's a therapist or a psychologist listening to this, but like I have screenshots, I have receipts of times people have either said things to me that hurt me, things that people have either done to me that pissed me off or things people have said about me or times that were really hard in my, in my life or songs that trigger emotions. And I have a playlist that does that. And I just read them over and over and over and over and over to the point where it just gets me so riled up and just keep listening to these songs that get me riled up. And it's just keep on reading and keep on reading until I get into this weird phase. I don't know what to call it. That's why we call it sicko mode. That's the only thing I can think of. Like just get to this real dark place to where I feel like I'm so agitated that I feel uber aggressive. And I think my teammates can, uh, can, attest to it when i'm getting to the course and there's people over here like i forget which club it was but they had like the t on their chest and it looked like the t-mobile logo and they're like what are we gonna do and they're like kill the competition and they're standing next to us and i got mad at that because i was just agitated from this whole routine Mm -hmm. i told them yeah you guys are really gonna kill people with the damn t-mobile logo on your damn chest you guys look stupid (laughs) i bet you're not cracking the top 10 (laughs) and they were so lost because it's cross it's club cross country and I'm over right. here acting like it's a damn football game. Like I'm just yelling at the top of my lungs. I'm catching some bodies. I'm I'm just angry. And that's kind of the zone that I get into. I can't quite remember when I started doing that, but I've always going back to episode one, what we talked about, like even things like when my buddy told me, like it's it's B words like you that get burned at invitationals. Looking back at old text messages, looking back at old group chat messages, looking back at like you know, just interactions to where they weren't necessarily the best, but I just keep those receipts and that's how I get riled up before races. And yep, those are like, that is my key thing that I have to yeah. do. And I remember, I think I was, uh, I was, um, at what was it? San Jose. And I think Sean was my roommate and he's just, he comes up and goes, what are you reading? And I was just like, yeah, I don't know how to explain this to you, man. This is what I do. Because <laughs> yeah. I was just reading it over and over these, yep. these messages. Yep. 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 There was um I'll there I had a similar experience once. Um and I won't get I won't get too specific with what, yeah. you know, in the Aggies, you know, we've been sponsored by Hoka and ASICs and Reebok and stuff. And, you know, I won't get too specific with what this race was over my 15 year career. Yeah. But um we were at a road race and um, there was a guy in the race who had, um, it was the same sponsor as, 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 as I was at the time. And he had some prototype uh, shoes on. And, huh, and I'm like, I'm <laughs> and I was like, I, you, 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 this guy has the, has prototype shoes. And, and, and I was like, okay, okay. Okay. I see you. I, I, I see you. So I like, you know, it was like the, the Michael Jordan, like I took it personally. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't say anything. I didn't make a big deal about it. Um, but I was like, okay, like, all right, we're We're going to mark, we're going to mark this dude. And I knew, I knew I could beat him. I knew like I, I, I put a, I, I put a target on his, on his, on his back in the race and, you know, we get out there and he stays over the horizon the whole time. Comes back a little bit, starts speeding up. And then like, mile to go he just starts coming back he starts coming back he starts coming back and then last 100 meters i just <laughs> usain bolted and i just barely get him at the line and i was like yep gotcha bro 
Um, to, man. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, that does work. I, I think you probably use a little bit more of that sicko mode um, than, than I typically do, but it does work. You know what I mean? It does. And you hear Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Kobe, RIP, you know, they all have that sort of like, they go to that, that special place, you know? Yeah. Like that's the thing you're out there by yourself when you're racing. It's not necessarily like college or like a uh, club cross where you do have your team. Like you have a reason to hurt outside of yourself. Like, you know, you have to score, you have to execute, you have to be a low stick, whatnot. But when you're out there in these races that hurt really bad, because once you start getting faster, the races don't get easier. The paces don't feel easier. You feel every little bit of that pace, no matter how fit you get. Right. Like you need reasons to hurt. And right. even if you have to create them in your head or you have to create these scenarios in your head or create this, these feelings in your body that are going to numb that pain and be like, yeah. you've yeah. gone through worse. It's kind of like pulling from the cookie jar. Like Dave, like David Goggins, like you pull through the cookie jar. You think of all the times that you've been hurt, like, or you think of all the things that have angered you in the past. And, um, and again, I, I want to also prefer, um, I want to like, back it up with i'm not just reading like ex-girlfriend text messages i'm talking about like real stuff that like actually right. pissed me off in the past yeah. <laughs> like real stuff um but yeah you you have to dig you have, you to, have dig. to find you have to something dig. that's gonna help you dig no matter what it is yes and um you know with with that said music is a big part of that right uh, obviously yeah. i think we shared we shared a little bit about our sort of individual race preparation and and that's very individual everything like your your mental preparation your thought process your visualization is so individual is so personal that like you know that's always that's something that the individual runner has to come up with but i like music you like music people generally like music we got you well, know part of our both part of our pre-races we both have playlists that part of our pre-races it's part of our culture i mean since i was in you know high school you know it was uh you know it was an aux cord uh cassette player with the the compact disc player in the van right yeah um so you, you know huh i said you old <laughs> oh yeah man oh yeah yeah for sure um yeah. so yeah that pump up mix that's been a part of the routine since day one right yeah um and with that said we created um a bracket where we are going to um, find out what our favorite pump-up song is. Cue the March Madness music. Let's go. <laughs> we'll edit that in there. Yeah, but yeah. We'll have to we'll have to add that in there. Essentially, what me and Phil picked is we found 32 mutual songs that we both like, we're both familiar with, so it's not unfair, and we put it in a randomized bracket. And we're going to go through this bracket head to head on our next episode. And we're going to debate each song head to head all the way down till we come out with the champion on what is definitively between mine and Phil's bracket, who comes out the March Madness champion as the best warm up song. So, Phil, do you want to run through what some of these songs are just so yes. they have a have an idea? Yeah, we are going to run through these. And these are also um, we also have these in a playlist on Spotify. Um, which we will uh, link to our various platforms. Um, and, you know, you can, um, you know, finish listening to this on Spotify and then go over to the lane one um, pre-race bangers. So uh, again, these are randomized. Okay. So we didn't do a hard ranking. They're randomized. Um, so on the, on the left side of the bracket here, we have Eminem till I collapse and uh, Fort minor. Remember the name Two classics. Um, and then we have um, uh, Kanye versus Kanye, which is, uh, I think, fitting. <laughs> we have uh, Mercy <laughs> and Stronger. Um, so two, uh, actually, it's, are those similar era Kanye's? Nah, um, um, Stronger was like 06. Uh, Mercy was probably that's 2010. Right. Yeah, 2010. Yeah. Okay, that's right. So they're two different eras of Kanye. Um, and then... Um, Lose Yourself, Eminem, I, which I listened to in high school, and then Steady Mobbin, which is that's a that's what Carter Three. Nah, Steady Mobbin was the Young Money mixed or the Young Money album in like two thousand two thousand nine. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah, that 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 another heater 
Um, then some Bang Kendrick. It. Yeah, Kendrick DNA classic Drake forever. And that's that's Drake featuring what Eminem. Kanye, Kanye. We have a lot of Kanye and here's one thing I noticed and a lot of Drake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um and then uh Lincoln Park Faint versus uh Black and Yellow by Wiz Khalifa. Um so we do have we do it's mostly hip hop but we do have a couple of um you know metal songs, rock, new metal, whatever alternative whatever you want to call it. Um I mean, faint, dude. I was that's that reminds me of Mount Sack, like CIF prelims, like senior year. Um, again, going down to E40 versus uh, E40. Tell me when to go versus Drake zero to one hundred. That is that's a that's a great matchup. Um, that'll be a tough one. That'll be a tough one. Um, then DJ Khaled, I'm on one versus Monster, uh, by Kanye West. Um. Now, Kanye West, that, that monster song has Nikki in it, right? Yeah, I think Nikki and Jay-Z and Rick Ross. Oh, yeah, that's right. Rick Ross is in it. That that's is a, a that's, theater, bro. Oh, that is a man. banger. And DJ Khaled has Rick Ross in it, too. Yeah. Wait, I can't <laughs> I can't see because of the Zoom meet. I mean, because of the oh. recording, so I can't see the bottom ones. Yeah, that's fine. You can just read it. Um. Okay, sorry about that. Oh, oh there, there okay. we go. So, Did we taking uh, over? It's... Oh, yeah. Oh no, we ready. It's, uh, it's we ready. Um, and middle child by J Cole. Man, these we got some heaters, bro. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, let me let me get that right side. Let me let me let me introduce that right side real quick. What, do, what are you doing here? Yeah, just zoom in. It um, the right side should be fine because of the. All right, cool. So at the top, we got coming in dreams and nightmares. Meek Mill. That is probably ooh, that one's gonna go far. I like I don't want to start debating now, but Dreams and Nightmares is a hit, man. That is a locker room favorite for me. Going yep. up against We Taking Over, DJ Khaled. Oh that man. is seventh grade peewee football. <laughs> Alabama, Mississippi. Alabama, Mississippi, Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah, we taking over DJ Khaled, that whole that whole cast, T.I. Rick Ross, Birdman, Lil Wayne, Fat Joe. That is a heater. Numb encore um lincoln park jay-z mix stray banger why did what'd you yeah. say go for it this matchup is like i don't know why the, the the randomizer had to do this to me man like these are my these are like i listen to these daily almost like numb encore and go get it go get it ti they're like outside of the pre-race playlist they're just on your normal playlist <laughs> i saw i saw go get it live at the mid-state fair at the midstate, I saw Ti. I saw Ti live, and he played "Go Get It." I and I, I just I went nuts. <laughs> grown, grown man going crazy nuts. I'd be the same way, man. But next up, we have superhero Metro Boomin versus Put On Young Jeezy. Oh. Two bangers, dude. Those are in Peters. my gym rotation. Those are my pre-race rotation. Those are in my, in my normal daily music listening rotation. Once new, new, new generation rap with future and uh chris brown other one is throwback young jeezy to what is it the recession album yep then we got run this town jay-z kanye and rihanna oh, versus man. new level asap ferg Ooh, new level is part of my angry rap playlist when i want to yeah. when i want to lift heavy weights and just slam shit um new level is on there man yeah that that's Ooh. gonna be man these first round are gonna be tough yeah, hater to love it. The game versus power. Kanye West. <laughs> I can't Those even, are, dude. How are we yeah, gonna get it out of round one? I think it's it's gonna be it could be a multi part series. <laughs> we're gonna have to do um, time management here. Drop the world, Lil Wayne versus Big Things Poppin' Ti. Two also iconic, two iconic yep. tracks for me personally. Growing up, then we got Jesus Walks, Kanye West versus uh, Paris from Watch the Throne, Kanye and Jay-Z. Like I said, we have a lot of Kanye on here. And then we got a, oh, this is also a pretty interesting one. Divorce Dad Banger Hire by Creed versus X Gonna Give It to You DMX. Yeah, a couple of wild cards right there, really. Um, those are both bangers. They, they could go far. I know, dude. This is going to be harder than I thought, but... A lot of common things in here. Me and Phil, again, these are songs we agree upon. 
Our yes. playlist that we are going to have for the Lane One Pod is going to include some of our deep cuts, just because there's songs Phil listens to that I don't know. There's songs that I listen to that he doesn't know, or just songs that people would be like, "Why? Why would you listen to this as a pre-race?" But for me, it just gets me in the zone. Same thing for Phil. Just a couple yeah. of different uh, tracks that we both like that we had to kind of kill to keep the bracket at 32. If not, this bracket could go on to 64. We just don't have that kind of time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was, we spent a, a lot of time going through these with a fine tooth comb, really trimming it down to 32. There was, we, uh, there was a lot of really good songs that are on this list. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited about that. Um, so we will go through that on our next podcast. Do you have anything else, Mark? No, I th I think we're good to close it out. Just yeah, um, just excited to go through this one. I think the bracket's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Until next time, and make sure you like, comment, subscribe to us to the Lane One Talk Show, and we'll see you next time.